Hello and welcome back to the Men You're Not Alone podcast. This will be episode 62 and another installment of the What Has Happened to Men series. Uh, this evening, I have a gentleman who will go by the name of Andrew sitting across the table from me. So, Andrew, welcome to the Men You're Not Alone podcast. Thank you. Uh, Andrew, how old are you? I'm 46. 46? Do you mm-hmm. have any kids? I have four. What are their ages? Two that are 16, one that's uh, 21, and one that's 25. Got your hands full. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And what are they, boys, girls? <laughs> Three girls, one boy. Three girls, one boys, <clears throat> one boy. Um, and what do you do to what do you do for a living? Uh, In well, general, plumbing. Plumbing. Okay. All right. I know you have a very broad skill set, <laughs> so it's hard to say I do this. Andrew does a little bit of anything that somebody can throw at him. There's not much he doesn't know how to do. Yes. All right. So, Andrew, think back to your childhood. Was there anything from your childhood? It doesn't have to be glorious or anything. That's just something that strikes you as kind of cool or funny or adventurous. Just something from your childhood. I would have to say it was probably a family trip going to San Felipe. I mean, there was a lot of fishing and new place, very small town. It was fun. How old were you when you guys went? About. <clears throat> I was probably eight. Eight. Oh, that's a big. That's a big world change. Oh yeah. What stands out to you? Like I'm just thinking as a kid because I went my first time to Mexico. I was probably about that age, mm-hmm. eight or nine, and I just like I can still <clears throat> see the memories in my head. All the street markets, the beach, oh, yeah. the the people, the poverty in a lot of places. Oh, yeah. Lots of poverty. And the best hamburger I've ever eaten in my life was there. I don't know that I've ever had a hamburger in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what it was made of, but it was really good. Anyway, so, all right. So if I put a hamburger in front of you, what would you consider to be an appropriate sauce or sauces that belong on a hamburger? Mayo. Mayo? Yes. Anything else? No. Just mayo? Just mayo. Okay, so now if we shift to a bratwurst. Mm-hmm. Same thing, mayo. Mayo on a bratwurst. <laughs> this is getting a little more twisted. What about a hot dog? Mayo. Mayo. Really? I can tell there's a round table of condiments coming at some point. There's, there's a broad range of, of disagreement among men over appropriate condiments. So, I mean, you can use mustard on some things, but mayo's... Mayo's your go-to. That's my go-to. Uh <laughs> Uh, is there anything, is there one, what's something that you've wanted to do in your life and not necessarily a career oriented or an accomplishment, but what is something you've wanted to do in your life, whether it is an accomplishment or going someplace or some type of something that you've wanted to do, but you haven't done it yet in your life? I would have said travel outside of country overseas, but I actually got the chance of doing that a couple of years back. So I believe... I don't travel within the state. I don't know. I'm pretty content where I'm at. Are you? That that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> you don't have to have. It's not. I think. I think something. throughout your life, things change. When is there any place in, mm. like, just say here in the continental U.S. that you haven't been that you that you would like to go? Anything that stands out? Probably Montana, Wyoming, all good, of that. Good choices. Mm-hmm. Very good choices. All right. So, uh, Andrew. Can you briefly tell me about a stormy period in your life? It can be any stormy period. Or sometimes more than one stormy period dovetails 
<clears throat> together. You can't tell one without the other, which is fine. I think the biggest, I've had quite a few storms in my life, but I think the biggest storm was when a relationship ended. Okay. What, five years ago, six years ago, something like that? Child going through turmoil and me sitting back having to deal with all of it. And this is a marriage that you're talking mm-hmm. about. How long were you married? We were married for five years. We had been together almost 10. What sort of, uh, what, was, it a, was it a calm yeah. parting from one another? I mean. Or how would you, des- how would you I, describe it? I mean, I, I would consider it calm. There was no dispute whether I wanted out of it or not. It was dispute. Okay. But pretty easy until God got me on track. And I ended up getting into a more healthy relationship. Then things got a little bad, but they quickly calmed down. Okay. So So. you were married. So you were married for five years and you have a child who came from this relationship. No. Okay. With my daughter prior to that relationship. Oh, oh, was this your, so this was your daughter. So you, you had a daughter and you married into, so it would have been her stepdaughter. Her stepdaughter. Correct. Okay. All right. And so how did you mention something about your daughter having to go through this or being rocked around? How did, what did you see in your daughter? Like what did, what happened with your daughter? I don't know. It was so much that. I think my daughter was more her mother, her biological mother. During the time of that breakup, her biological mom passed away. So it was just, I mean, in and, and out. Of and how old was your daughter when her mom passed away? Just a, this is uh, a guy's podcast. No, I know. It I'm, can I'm be just, a, approximate, okay. very approximate. <laughs> I want to say she was 16-ish, maybe 17. I think she was 16. Okay. When that happened. That's all right. So somewhere between like 15 and 18. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> very broad. Yeah. It's, it's just fine. So I'm, I, let me piece this together real quick. So so were you were you married before the marriage, before the, the, your daughter, I was married to her mother. Oh, you were married to her mother. Okay, yes. then your daughter was born. How long were you married to her mother? Again, ballpark. Her and I, our total relationship was five years. Okay, well that's fine. So five years, yeah. you're together for five years. You have a daughter mm-hmm. in this, and then you guys parted ways. Yes. And so after that five years, was that amicable? Was that that one was not? That one was not. <laughs> Okay, so what would what did that one just in kind of general terms? What did that one look like? Uh, there was custody that went into that. There was drugs that were involved. I mean, it was just a horrible mess for my daughter. I mean, it was just it was not good. So the drug issue was it was not yours. No, you just dealt with it. Correct. And so, so your daughter's mother or your ex your ex wife was this your first wife that you were married to? I'm going to say yes. Okay, that's fair enough. That's fine. So how long did she, was she into drugs when you met her? I wish I knew. Oh, okay. I don't don't know. Okay. I just know towards the end of our relationship, it just became very prevalent and known and... Something that sort of bloomed out of the latter part of the relationship? Correct. Well, you wouldn't be the first man that's been surprised (laughs) by it. I can promise. Or probably the first woman that's ever been surprised by it. I just focus on men. So mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know what the women have been through. Right. She's doing drugs. And for the man who's sitting there and dealing with it, it, as a father, a husband who discovers 
because I can tell you, like, you're not alone. Like, there are many men I want to sit at this table who recently have dealt exactly with what you're describing mm-hmm. in in some very dramatic right. and heart-wrenching ways mm-hmm. with their own children. So the man sitting there listening, so what did you like where did the like where did the red flag start? I'm still sticking with this with your daughter's mother. Like when did like where did the red flags what like do you remember like at what point were you like like you started seeing something that said something ain't right? In this, um, was her behavior? Was it? Oh yeah, I mean, going out to clubs by herself with her friends. And um, this is why you've got a daughter. Yeah, who's I'm, a daughter, and she had a son from a previous relationship. So I'm with both of them. Oh, okay. And she's living it up, doing whatever she wants, and and is your daughter pretty <clears throat> young at this? Like in the first, so in oh, five yeah. years, your daughter's. Oh yeah, I'm going to guess three or four years old, maybe. Correct. Yes. Something like that. So mm-hmm. she's she's really young, and so yes. here's dad with a stepson. Mm-hmm. How old, like were they similar in age? Were they? I think he was eight or nine. Is about where he was at. So he's about five years older than her. Okay, so you have a toddler and a a boy just kind of entering adolescence <laughs> or about to. Right. And you've married this, and now mm-hmm. your wife is going mm-hmm. out to clubs. Mm-hmm. And was that something that was fairly regular? Oh yeah. And and what, what were you like then? Was that something you were? were I were, I didn't know you back then, no. so I used to be really naive and and I would accommodate whatever, mm. and I just mm. assumed that somebody when they left the house, they would never do anything to hurt me, and it's purely innocent and naive. But I don't know what were you like back then. Oh no, it was not. She didn't care who she hurt. Okay. I mean that's just what it was. I mean she told me where she was going, and often would tell me what guys she was going to meet there. I mean, it was like almost a push in the face. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so you stuck with that. How long did you, uh, like when it became overt, how long did you? That was of, probably about eight months to a year. Okay. Before you just said, that's it. Yes. I've, mm-hmm. I've, the boundaries are now. Right. Yeah. Cause it's for as long as I've known you, which is now probably about eight years, mm-hmm. somewhere in that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I, I know you as a man who's very gentle Mm-hmm. But you have a very stout constitution. Mm-hmm. Like your boundaries are very clear for you. Right. But you're also very gentle. And I've never, you've never struck me as remotely like a judgmental person mm-hmm. or whatever. You pretty much don't meet a stranger. Right. And, <laughs> and I would, I would be happy to introduce you to anybody not wondering like, oh, you know, hope he doesn't twist off on this right. guy sort yeah. of thing. You're a, a, a pretty well balanced man. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So the drugs. Did she argue with you about leaving or breaking up, or did she just kick the door open and say, "Roll out of here"? I was the one that said it was over. Okay. We had a pretty. She got home one night after being at the bar and ended up breaking my leg that night. Oh, nice! <laughs> I didn't know that. So, how did she break your leg? She didn't break it. I was angry, which I don't typically get, and instead of going at her, I. Literally kicked an oscillating fan from my garage to the street, and it broke my ankle. From the garage to the street? That's a hefty kick. <laughs> like a box fan or a stand fan? A stand, like an oscillating. Holy cow. Pole. That's quite a kick. I can mm-hmm. see why you broke your leg. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that went... It was pretty instant. And then we, I mean, it was immediate for me to put the house, my house on the, our house on the market and sell it and get gone. And eventually she... 
there was a point when it was like reality is kicking in and I'm losing and I, we need to fix this. And I was done. And she wanted to see if, if you could mend it, mm-hmm. if you could mend it back. <clears throat> so your daughter is under five. Mm-hmm. She was probably right about five when okay. all that happened. Right about five. And was there any custody dispute over your yes. daughter? We went for about two years through custody stuff. Ultimately, I ended up with sole physical, sole legal custody ever. And mom was on supervised visits, and that's where it went. So I'm going to guess she wasn't <clears throat> able to hide the drug addiction and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so so then she's passed away now. Mm-hmm. And about how... I forget how your daughter's is she 20? She's 21. 21. Yeah. 20. So four or five years ago, she's passed away. <clears throat> and then as you look at your daughter through time, mm-hmm. because I know what kind of father you are. And I mean a very good father at that. You're very uh, engaged as a mm-hmm. father. And you, mm-hmm. you bring that constitution mm-hmm. there to say, here's your freedom. Don't color outside those boundaries because mm-hmm. that gets into an inappropriate right. sort of thing. I just I know your personality well enough. But what did you what did you see from that? Like, how did you see that period ripple through your daughter's life? How did you see it manifest itself in a young girl as she matured? She became more like her mom. Okay. In what so way? Talk about stepping outside those boundaries and those everything else. She has well within done that. Okay. And so, when did you see that start? It was probably two years before my my last separation that we spoke about. The one that happened in like 2014, 2015. So 2012. So is your daughter 10 or 11 <clears throat> at this point? She would have been... 13 or 14, she'd have been 13 or 14. 13 or 14. <laughs> so this is when you started seeing, like, were they kind of creepy moments sometimes? Like, I think it was probably more... So we, I, we moved here in 2011 from California. Yes. And I was given custody prior to that, three years, four years before that. But I think the move was probably the catalyst to probably start that for her. Okay. Not being near her mom, even though she didn't visits with her mom were very minimal. But I think even, I don't care how minimal a, a child's visit is with their parent, they still have a connection. It's always going to be there. Yes. And like I've got two stepchildren right now, which are two of which I talked about. Two of here. the four. Yes. Their father lives two hours from here. And their need to see him is pretty big they enjoy it but he doesn't have an active role in their life so it's just it doesn't matter what the child who the child is or where they're at they need that and i think moving her out here was probably a start of that whether i wanted to think that or not think that i think that was probably the start of it if you look as you we're not waiting (laughs) two questions one so was let's just call her mary Mm -hmm. no let's call her jessica no, let's call her Sarah. Let's just call her Sarah. Let's just say that her name is Sarah, this lady. Okay. Um, so was Sarah still using drugs when she passed away? Do you know? I don't know if you had any contact with her. Do you know That's if she, how she died? 
that's how she died. Mm -hmm. So she didn't, she never cleaned herself up. She just stayed in that downward spiral. Well, that's heart wrenching. So Mm -hmm. if you, as you look back and I'm asking these questions because there are guys listening that, and this isn't a story. I I can't relate to this story, but you can. Mm -hmm. And so can the guys who are listening. There's going to be some guys listening who can, Mm -hmm. would you have made the move? Would you have done it again? The way you did. Absolutely. Okay. You would have left California Mm -hmm. and, and brought your daughter out here. Mm -hmm. And then, so she's toxicity out there. Okay. Well, and that's, I can't imagine, I'm trying to imagine dealing with a mother who's, who's addicted to, to drugs and Mm -hmm. try to watch, like, how do I explain this to my daughter that your mother may or may not even know that you're really existing. Right. Like that's a hard, I cannot imagine. Uh-uh. Well, I don't need to imagine. I have a man sitting across the table. <laughs> what is it like as a father when, when you know you, like, what is it like to, to try to raise your daughter knowing that you have a mother who may or may not even know that get at any given moment may not even remember that she has a daughter at some point. Like that had to be trying for, for me and for, for me, for it was pretty, I think easy. Okay. I did not, I don't think it was as easy for her. You got I to see. I felt like I needed to get her out of a situation. You saw a lot of the fruit <clears> of that. <throat> the mother was following in her dad's footsteps. Okay. So it was just, it, it was going to fall generationally. Period. So this generational. No matter how we thought. Okay. I mean, and if I kept her within that situation, it wasn't going to get any better. She was going to be around her and her half brother, which now is just as involved as his mom was in a lot of those things. And who knows? I don't know. I mean, me and my daughter haven't spoken in a while and I don't know if she's into doing that stuff now. I don't know. So at 13 or 14, you said you started seeing signs of <clears throat> her perhaps mimicking some things that you saw in your ex-wife mm-hmm. as far as behavior goes. Right. Like what sort of behavior did you see that, that <clears throat> just like for a moment, like gives you pause as a father, like, like these are things of concern, deceit, like lying manipulation. to you, manipulation. But, but by deceit, you mean lying to yeah. you, or trying to lie to you? Trying to lie. Yeah, yeah you're a tough man to lie to. <laughs> <laughs> trying to lie, manipulation. The lying and manipulation was probably the biggest thing. Well, those are two very powerful mm-hmm. things that basically both of them fracture trust right. quickly and to a point where it can take a long time of a perfect record to rebuild that. Absolutely. Did she kind of stay on that course? This wasn't like an adolescent, oh, I've become a teenager, I'm rebellious or whatever, so here's my one-year stint of trying to manipulate my father or lie to my father, and then I come back to my senses. How long did you watch that course continue? What's today's date? <laughs> so it, 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 <laughs> until, she, until you basically kind of started broke contact with her. Mm-hmm. Okay. As she reached adulthood? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, we, I mean, therapy was two or three days a week at our house to try and help her get through everything that she needed. It got to the point to where I wasn't able to work because I was having to try to keep her in school because she didn't want to be at school. I mean, it was just it. Would she leave the school or just not go to the school? Yeah. I mean, there was one time she faked passing out on a, on the school bus on the way to school. And I had to go pick her up from where the school bus was. And she was fine. She just didn't want to go to school. I mean, it was just, it's, she ended up in foster care for her last year 
before she graduated high school, and that was court ordered because was of she school. sort of around seventeen? I think she was seventeen at that point. Yeah, she was eighteen when she graduated. Yeah, so she how- was. She had just turned seventeen, so she was in foster care for about eight months before she became of age to make her own decisions. Um, she chose to stay with the foster parent that was with her. I kept in contact with her. I, I mean, all of that. How did she wind up in the? How did she wind up in the foster? <laughs> I I know that I'm I'm, I'm I'm I've danced with the maze that is what they say some kind of child protective service in this country, and it's it's a little horrifying. It sometimes the way things so, get managed. So in her therapy, I was. Um, I mean, we we had a, a counselor that came to the house three times a week through our care process here in the state. She was angry because we didn't, uh, she wanted to go, she didn't want to go to school. I can't remember what the deal was, but she was, she was mad. I kept on telling her she needed to go to school. She needed to do this. And she went to go close herself in her room. And I, I think I had, uh, I had went back and I had grabbed her by the arm and told her, no, we need to get in the truck and we need to leave. You've got to go to school. Well, she went in her room, called her sister, told her sister, I hit her. So I called our services for my safety. They came, they looked at her, nothing was wrong with her. Her counselor and everything else kind of was able to attest on my side of it that it wasn't something that I would do, but also had told me that I probably need to seek some more help for her. We ended up, uh, my sister that lives in Missouri decided that she was going to go ahead and take, take her and see if she can kind of help her finish her last year of school. My sister, uh, she's a pretty tough woman. She's uh, had three children. Two have since passed away. One has lived his life in jail. My sister is an ex-drug addict. I mean, there's a lot that she's lived through. And when it comes to children, she's very dedicated to it and tries. Well, it lasted about a month out there before my sister was like, I said, I don't know how you do it. I have no clue how you've done it. She ended up coming back. And I got her into a, um, a long-term psychiatric place, I guess you'd say long-term being, I think she was there for about three months before she was able to prove that she was doing better. And then again, there, that manipulation happens. You know I mean, she just did what they wanted her to do. So me and my current wife now brought her home or we didn't bring her home. We brought, we did bring her home. We ended up going to court because of the accusations of me hitting her. She wasn't going to go back to school. And the school had told me that if I did not go to court, get the courts involved, that they were going to get the courts involved themselves. So is it because she said that a little out of order, but no, no, is it it okay? So she, so had she burned Mm -hmm. up all the grace that the school was willing to grant. Mm -hmm. And and now it's kind of like the problems Mm -hmm. beyond us. Mm -hmm. We can't manage it here. So we need to escalate this to something Correct. that has some authority <clears throat> to right. do something maybe that we don't have the authority to do. Correct. Is that accurate? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So through court, she got put into what they call here DCS custody. Not by my fault, but I think more to protect me from some of the things that she was allegating to me. You know, me hitting her and stuff like that, which is... I feel something I would never do. And I don't see you. I've known you for eight years. I, yeah. I can't imagine you hitting another man. Right. So let alone a child. Yeah. And I, 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 
I take that all back to her mother, not being able to see her, her mom. That's where that whole, her mind needed that mom and she couldn't have it. Stepmom's one thing, biological mom's another, whether that mom's sick or whether that mom's healthy. It just, you know, it's going to mess with that child if those parents aren't involved. And I think that had a lot to do that with for her. Trying to think where I was at. Um, Well, so, so you went to court. You got involved. So now she's put into foster. Mm-hmm. She's taken into the foster care Correct. system. Yeah. And she goes to live with a Her, foster family. foster family, yeah. And she's there. It was probably seven months before she turned 18 and was able to get on her own. So okay. it wasn't that long, but it still was enough to... Anyway, she chose to stay. She stayed. Did her thing for a while. My wife now and I just had this feeling that we needed to see if there was any more help we can give her try. I mean, you just, you, people can't be lost, Mm -hmm. you know? So we did, we tried, we ended up having her come back to live with us for a little while and everything started out great. And probably, I mean, she got a job, she was working, which was amazing. You know, about a month after coming in, the manipulating started happening again. The lying started happening, not wanting to go to work, which were all stipulations of what we had talked about. You know what I mean? We ended up finding her apartment. So by stipulation, you mean like if you're going to live here, like you're more than welcome to live here, but you mm-hmm. need to work. You need to be honest. Correct. Don't manipulate us. Don't right. lie to us. Just be transparent. Be right. honest. Right. Do something productive mm-hmm. and you can stay in our house. We felt, I mean, anybody has the ability to be successful. In life, in wealth, in spiritually, all of it. I mean, I think people, it, it's, I don't know how you feel about it, but it's a, to me, I feel it's a, there's a choice there. Oh, no, there's absolutely. I, <laughs> I, have a cho- I, yeah, I agree with you. I totally agree with you. <laughs> there's a choice whether you want to or not want to be, I don't know if wealthy is the right word in that, but. You can't make a person want to take care of themselves. Correct. You can't make a person want to ask if there's anything bigger than themselves right. in life. Exactly. Those kind so, of questions are, they, they rise up from within right. the person. Mm-hmm. You just hope to enable that person to say, that child to say, I think I could do better right. than what I'm doing now. Correct. And that's what you're trying to afford your daughter with your present Absolutely. wife. You're trying to give her that opportunity. Right. All right. So I want to touch on one mm-hmm. thing because you mentioned it and I don't want to get too far along and forget about it. Your daughter, how old was she? So she was... 16 when she made the allegation that you hit her is that what yeah is that she was about 16. roughly accurate yes. mm-hmm. you're in that moment like as a father a guarantee of there's fathers out there who are sitting in this moment mm-hmm. what did that do to you as a father like put me in that moment now you realize your child has accused you of something that you didn't do mm-hmm. what happened from there did you what did like how did your world change from that moment like for the next month? I think it was probably more the moment because the end result, she ended up in Missouri with my sister, but I think anger and scared. I mean, those are, I guess the two feelings that I felt when that happened. I mean, cause you, I mean, you don't know I'm calling to report this allegation, not knowing that they're going to come and maybe say you did do it, you know, but when you're fearful, would you say it was like somebody flipped a switch in your life at that moment? Like 
everybody I've, I've tried to explain to guys like there's, I think it's, it's hard for me sometimes to explain because I think because of the massive volume of men who have moved through my life that Mm -hmm. I've seen. And I always warn guys, look at this man sitting right here, his life. It has the appearance of a train wreck. It's not. Mm -hmm. And this is going to pass. But if you're in that moment, it's like somebody, if your life is in a wheelbarrow, somebody just dumped (laughs) the wheelbarrow. And in one minute, things are fine mm-hmm. or maybe not even fine. Maybe they're just stressed or whatever. Right. The next moment it's radically different. Right. And the only thing that was spoken was a false allegation. Right. And at that point I've warned guys, it's not the truth that matters. It's the weight of the allegation. Right. And the weight of the allegation is typically what men are tried by. Right. And so that's what I'm trying to like, is like in that moment that you're in, now your daughter accuses you of hitting her, which you haven't done, mm-hmm. but you can't disprove right. that you haven't hit your daughter. And right. suddenly, like the justice system is flipped backwards. Now it's your obligation to disprove that you've hit your daughter. Mm-hmm. And all she has to do is just vomit the words out. Right. And what I've seen mm-hmm. in men is it's it's an it once you see it, you can't unsee it. The potential power that a child has to destroy an adult's life. Mm-hmm. With one sentence. Right. And that's all it takes. Yeah. Especially if that's the father. Right. Or a man. Mm-hmm. Because it is like you have to disprove the falseness mm-hmm. of something that you can't even put your hands right. on. Yeah. You know, how do I disprove that I didn't do that? Right. Or do I prove I didn't do that? Like that. When it's only her and I here. Yeah, and I, I, I say the phrase, it would be absurd if somebody said, well, you're a purple elephant. Right. Well, obviously, I'm not a purple elephant. Right. But if they say, well, he hit me. Now, so in that moment, did DCS, did they step in and take her away? No. Okay. Mm-mm. So they, I have a feeling they kind of picked up pretty quick she was lying. Yes. We ended up having to do interviews through the interview with her. DCS, I mean, they just, I mean, they basically told me they were dropping any investigation they were going to do into that to me, which was great. I mean, I, you talked about fighting for it. The good thing was, I think I had probably a year of counselor being in the house that knew the actions of her already that was able to back up without even being there, knowing how we could have been put into a situation like that and it not be true. If that makes sense. That is no small fortune. Right. No small blessing for you. Mm-hmm. That you were doing that. And, and for those of you who are listening, that's this is why I constantly say, or not constantly, but I have repeatedly said throughout this podcast, always take the high road. Mm-hmm. Take the right road. Mm-hmm. If Andrew sitting across from the table from me had said... I described him as a very engaged father. He was engaged enough to have a counselor come into his house several times a week to try to help his daughter. Mm -hmm. He just did the right thing. He did the best he knew how at the moment with the circumstances that were given to him. And he erred on the side of caring for his daughter. And he had no idea when that counselor entered his life that X amount of time later, that man would actually protect him or man or woman. It doesn't, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, that counselor would protect you from 
an allegation that in all honesty could have put you in jail mm-hmm. while they sort it out. Right. And it could have taken a year or two mm-hmm. years. And then you come out and you're marred with this right. weight of an allegation that was patently false. Mm-hmm. It never existed. It was just spoken into existence right. for a brief moment, mm-hmm. just a snapshot in time. Right. An absolute falsehood, but you get to wear it. Right. And people don't care because you're a child beating father. Right. As if it was spoken into existence by God himself. Right. So at that point, your daughter's aware of a power in her hands that she didn't know she previously, (laughs) she previously was unaware of. Yes. Do you, are you aware of like any instance where that might've bore fruit in her life? Have you heard of any where she's maybe done that again in some form or fashion? I mean, she's, from what I've been told, faked a couple pregnancies with guys, I think, to keep men in her life. You know, so, I mean, I, it's, it all goes back to that whole manipulation. And she's willing to do any anything outlandish to make you think that you're there. So, as you look at your daughter, because you, you did raise your daughter, mm-hmm. which is not only kind of an exception, it is... It's the tiny sliver at the top of the exceptions. Right. That a father would raise his daughter pretty much from toddler to adulthood. Mm-hmm. Solo. Right. What do you think is the, like, what is the real issue with your daughter? Are you dealing, is it, <clears throat> is it mental illness? Is it spiritual? Like what, like, as you look back over <laughs> the years, what do you, like when you try to put your hands around it, what were you dealing with in her? I think. I, I think there was a lot of mental illness. I think there was a lot of mental illness her mom. I think her grandfather the same way. I think it was just part of it. Um, she didn't want the help. I mean, you go back to, you have to want it. If you don't want it, I mean, it doesn't matter how much help you give. And I mean, I, I lived that for a few years trying to give her help and, you know, it didn't matter how much I gave. It wasn't going to, she didn't want it, you know? And I know but you I think did. there was a lot of attention seeking. Okay. And I think that came from like like I said back, um, lack of mom being there. And it may maybe mom not even being there, mom not calling, mom not acknowledging her. You know what I mean? So there's I mean, it just there's there there was a lot of attributes, I think, to it. And I think just generation. Had I I grew up in church. Turned 18 when I ended up leaving my house. I stopped for a very long time. When I went through my divorce in 2014, that was one of the things that I got going back into was going into church and letting God lead my life. And that happening was not very okay to her. To your daughter? To my daughter. But I never gave her that opportunity as a child to start going to church. And I'm not how, saying how that that's she, my fault. So but, how, she's, you said she's like 12, 13 at this point? No, she'd have been 14. 14, yeah, okay. 13 or 14, right around there. Sorry, it's late in the day. My recall <laughs> is not as sharp. So she's 14, but she doesn't like the fact that her father's looking for something bigger than himself again. Mm-hmm. Right. Maybe realizing he doesn't have all the answers. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That just seems so, that's so. Uh, you have to want that though. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't when it comes to faith. Well, and it just seems odd to me that a, that a child would look at a father who's trying to do something better with his life. Mm-hmm. 
that the child would have much of an opinion about that. She never really said it, but she fought me about going to church on Sundays, youth group on Wednesdays. I mean, that was a struggle sometimes. You know that. I do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I walked through this journey with you. So, and I do know you and I know your daughter. Mm-hmm. And, or I, I did. I, yeah. I don't. Right. I haven't seen her in over a year now. Right. Year and a half. Mm-hmm. But so you're, th- this is something that I've referenced in a previous episode. And I'm only going to mention this because it, I can't explain in one episode that I do stuff. I have to unfold it over time. And I've explained <laughs> that, that this podcast is more about a journey. It's not about me having the answers, but it's impossible to take. I know it's well north of a thousand men who have spun through my life that give me a, the perspective that I do. Mm-hmm. It's observation has taught me what I know, not right. I went out looking for something. I wasn't looking for this. Right. This is this isn't a path I was pursuing. This is a path that circumstances and watching what men struggled with put me on this path. Mm-hmm. And it broke my heart so much that that it made this become a central focus of my life, Mm -hmm. that I would become a vessel of healing in men's lives to the extent that my limited abilities allow me to. And so, but I, back when I was studying what was happening to women, and I've referenced this in a previous episode, it was that there was a 2008 study that Stanford did. And I know there was at least one very well-written book about this study. And that study was a very well put together study. It was by no means some off the cuff. Some, it was, this is a very thorough study that Stanford did. And in, in their assessment, roughly 26% of females between the ages of 18 and 50, 18 and 44 were clinically diagnosable with narcissistic personality disorder. Mm-hmm. And that was alarming. Like that, that surprised them. Mm-hmm. You could tell by reading their mm-hmm. final findings Mm-hmm. That that is not what they were expecting to find in the study. They were right. actually fishing for something else, mm-hmm. and that was that was such a glaring result. Which is why you do research. Mm-hmm. Which that's a that's a study that has since become you can't find it. Right, I, it's erased. <laughs> it, it never existed. Right, other than the books that have copies of it in it. There, to my knowledge, it doesn't exist anymore, mm-hmm. and I should have grabbed a copy while I, while I had the opportunity to grab a PDF of it, and maybe I could still find it somewhere, but I can't. I've looked, and I don't, and maybe it's buried somewhere. But uh, one of the one of the uh, uh, people, uh, one of the people more on the, not on the fringe, he wasn't in the limelight, had suggested that that the unexplainable rise in narcissistic personality disorder, this has nothing to do with the Stanford study, but this was a, a different person in the field of psychology trying to put his hands around what was going on. And, and he attributed it back to females. Like when, when females started going to the workplace, Mm -hmm. their daughters Mm -hmm. no longer had a sense of connection to their mothers. Right. And I mentioned this because that's exactly the road you traveled down is, Mm -hmm. You still, after all of this experience, you still hearken back to as an anchor point in her life was that lack of attachment to her mother mm-hmm. because of her mother's choices. And, mm-hmm. you know, and you, and you, you just, you moved forward with what life gave you. Right. And, and that's not an, 
There is no playbook for that. No. <laughs> There's no playbook. No. And I think you did a great job. I think you did as good as any man could be expected right. to do and beyond. You 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 put your back into trying your best <laughs> to raise your daughter to be a healthy 40-year-old. But her choices led her down a different you know, right. you can't, like you said, you can't make her choose something right. she doesn't want to choose. Correct. But I don't know if that I, I to me there's just some merit in that. That is as women are less about the family. Mm-hmm. I I don't know that it has as big of an impact on the son mm-hmm. because men are wired a little bit different right. and we are it's why we don't necessarily mind the battlefield. Right. But as a as a daughter becomes <clears throat> I don't know. I don't even know why I'm saying it. It's just something that if you're listening to this, be conscious of What's what sort of environment has crafted around your daughter? If you're dealing with this with your daughter, and maybe you think it's oh, this is the way I've, it's all me. It's the way I've raised her. It's stuff like that. It could very well be a lack of attachment to her biological mother. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we need to understate the value in that. Just as this gentleman who was not in the limelight did, and I don't hear that discussed anymore, right? Because that I don't hear really so much the spike in mental illness in females period that is definitely there in the research mm-hmm. definitely supports that right. and definitely uncovered that our culture just doesn't mm. like to talk about it because it's hostile to the narrative that, you know, that men are the emotionally unstable, the, the weak ones, the whatever, but we, there's no way for men to help women if we don't get this out on the table. Correct. And so anyway, so your daughter has, mm. has since become an adult. When's the last time you even talked with your daughter? Um, I got a phone call from her in jail about a year and a half. Oh, I didn't know this one. A year and a half ago. Okay. She was hanging out with some friends and at one of her friends' parents' house and they weren't allowed to be there. So the mom called the cops on them. So she spent the weekend in jail. It wasn't, you know, huge, but she wanted me to come get her out and I wasn't, I wasn't going to do that. She had been given the opportunity to come and stay with me and my wife now and she ultimately like ended everything at that point, not ended as far as me thinking about her and worrying about her and wondering about her and everything else. But until she chooses a different path in her life, I can't allow her to be in my life. If that makes sense. No, it it does. It's a tough Mm -hmm. until a man stands in your shoes, he can't throw a rock at you. And I've stood in enough men's shoes Mm -hmm. to know that nobody can throw a rock at you because you have a child who's, already demonstrated the willingness to falsely accuse you of something. So you've got that. Mm -hmm. She's willing to deceive you. She's willing to try to manipulate you. Mm -hmm. And it's not just me. I mean, both of her stepbrothers, when we, when she was growing up, she accused them of things. Yeah. I mean, so it's not, she just, anything she can do to get her way, that's what she's going to do. And I'm not okay with that. And she's been learning family now that, I can't put in that jeopardy. Sure. God doesn't allow that. Sure. You have other children also under underneath your, your right. watch. Right. That you can't necessarily invite a storm into. Right. That has proven itself to be a storm for right. the last, mm-hmm. at least the last six, six years. years yeah. But let, so let's, let's, let's look at something mm-hmm. more positive here. Because I do know <laughs> the woman you're married to. You're married to a wonderful woman now. Mm-hmm. And she's a good mother. She's a great wife. Absolutely. And she's fun. Mm-hmm. Is this, has it made it harder for you to be a father? You have two stepchildren. Mm-hmm. Has it 
is it is it harder with your experience in the past to relax and just be a father figure now? No. No. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good. I attest a lot of that to God, though. I mean, it's the only one I can attest to that. Okay. They're different people. They're not her. I have an older daughter that is doing just fine. The 25-year-old. 25-year-old. So, I mean, it's, I don't, I can't hold everybody accountable for what she did. You know, do I sometimes feel like maybe I can be a little hard? I do. But that's probably more the protection side of things when it comes to stuff. I don't want to see, it may just be a, a choice in that moment, but that choice can make other decisions later on down the road. So there are some times that I, I do feel that I can be a little harsh, but I think for the most part, I mean, they're, they, I treat them like they're mine. That's pretty nice. Well, that dovetails into this question. So how did, how is dealing with being married to a drug addict, raising your daughter, mm-hmm. how has that, how has that altered you as a man? Well, first of all, I ask every man this question. <laughs> did going through those storms, did it, like, are you dead? Oh, no. Okay, so you survived. Oh, yeah. You lived through yeah, them. Absolutely. Did those storms just sit still? Did they never move on? Well, I mean, I mean like... My daughter's storm is still here. Well, your daughter's I mean, we storm still is still here. That, but, I mean, as far as the me as a person, I got through it. And I'm on the other end of it. And I'm, you know, I'm moving forward with my life. But I know now that if my daughter comes back in and and tries to do that, I have ways to deal with it and cope with it. I'm not stuck in those two or three years that we were dealing with turmoil. You know what I mean? We went into turmoil. We came out of turmoil. And we're, if that makes sense. No, it does. It makes total sense. So now you, but you, you've got a little bit more accurate radar. Mm-hmm. Your discernment's a little crisper than right. it used to be. Right. So the storm. So did how did that how did the going storm th- for me dissipated? The storm dissipated. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so the storm dissipated for you, and like, what would you say as you stand now on this side of the storms of the, a drug addicted wife raising your daughter, and now she's kind of gone off on her own mm-hmm. course that you can't control. Mm-mm. How has that changed you as a man? Or is there any way that it's changed you as a man, do you think? Or anything you've learned along the way? Sorry, I'm ambushing you with that question. <laughs> it's a total ambush with a question. Um, I mean, I think I think people evolve. And they're going to do things based on their circumstances where they're at. I was pretty quiet and reserved. And I think through all that, I've become more out and more spoken. And... Getting back into church was the biggest thing that could have happened through all of that. Okay. I mean, that I can't, if there was any help that I got, that's where it was at. Having Christ lead that through there. Would you say that, that you, the, oh, no, go the ahead. biggest change? Okay. I think. Would you say that having mm-hmm. endured these, these stormy periods in your life have made, made it easier for you to weather? Like, did one help you weather the next one a little bit better? And a little bit better. Like, do you think your oh, yeah. shoulders are becoming stronger yeah. as a result? Yes. To where it doesn't take as much mm-hmm. to knock your feet out from underneath mm-hmm. you as it did before. Well, you can sit back and be submissive your whole life. And then 
now my current relationship, I feel like we're more equal or maybe she puts me before herself. You know, I, I do the same to her, but it just, I can be more vocal in my relationship. I can be, I mean, so yes, there are changes. I don't know if that's the question you're asking, but yeah. Okay. Well, that's because your, your marriage now seems exceedingly healthy. Oh yeah. And, but you don't have a history of that necessarily. No, absolutely not. And so I, there, there is an obvious evolution right. through your life of uh, improvement. Correct. So I, I think what I'm trying to manipulate you into, into getting to, <laughs> but I don't want to say it. Like I want you to say it, is that for the guy that's sitting there in the middle of a storm, mm-hmm. his daughter's just accused him or his son's just accused him of something mm-hmm. or his wife, he just found out his wife is addicted to heroin. Mm-hmm. Or, or whatever it might, just delivered a baby while she's taking heroin, mm-hmm. you know, and now nobody knows why the baby's sick or right. the baby's not mentally okay. Right. And then, oh God, now the storm is really building my ex, you know, now my wife is on heroin mm-hmm. and now it all comes together. That's the moment where a man wants to throw in the towel. Right. But you didn't throw in the towel. Mm-hmm. So for the, the boy or the man sitting there in one of these moments, mm-hmm. Is there any advice that you would, or a word of encouragement you would pass on to them in the midst of that? I think you realize going through that, that you're more than you yourself or more than whatever situation you're in. I just, and for me, there was always going to be an end. And you had, I mean, thinking positive and thinking the fact that there's, there's always an end to that. It's probably going to be hard in that moment. It's going to be difficult, not fun, all of it. But there's always there, you're always going to get to the other side. I mean, that bridge, it, the bridge goes both ways. I mean, you can go back to where you were at or you can finish walking over that bridge and get to the other side. You're in the middle of that bridge. For me, that was always it. You know, I can always see the end of that bridge and know that I can get to the other side of that bridge. I mean... But I needed to be strong for the people that I was that I was helping or the people that I was entangled with. But I think every ounce of everything that we go through makes us stronger in what we're doing. I mean, you learn through every bit of it. It's like it, I mean, it's like you said, you know, we with my daughter, what was it? Uh, there's always light at the end of the tunnel. There's no there. I mean, I just I don't I there's no reason why you can't get to the other side. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, so, I don't know. Okay. So, so, so the guy sitting there that's saying this is the sum total of my existence is this ugly moment in life. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't, it doesn't need to be. It's not, mm-hmm. it's a lie. It's a deception that just, it gets dropped over us like a blanket to where, and like you, what you described as a bridge, just turn and look toward the other side of the bridge. Mm-hmm. Don't keep looking back. Right. You know, if you're walking away from a tornado, turn and point away from the tornado and go to right. the other side of that bridge. But don't think that if I keep moving toward the tornado, some for right. some reason, the tornado is going to back away from me. At it's any not. moment, it's going to back away from me. No, it's not. There's no right. reason you have an exit strategy here. Correct. Go. Mm-hmm. Go down here. That storm, that storms are going to keep moving no matter what. Right. But you also have a choice to keep moving. Mm-hmm. And if you just make the choice to keep moving, I mean, you're just such a good example of of a man who just chose not to die in his circumstances. Right. 
and I look at what a good man that has made you over the span of time Mm -hmm. that you have endured Mm -hmm. that and you just made a choice in that moment that this is not going to be my undoing. Right. And you have stayed that course. And I look at the manifold blessings that is now bearing in your life. And granted, it it maybe it took a while. Mm-hmm. You know, you've walked through knee-deep mud for a lot of years. Oh, yeah. Some of it you chose. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Some of it you didn't. Right. You had no idea what you were getting into. Right. Actually, probably most of it you didn't. <laughs> you had no idea what you were getting into. But I don't know that any of us Very do. true. Yeah. And so the guy who's sitting there wondering, like, well, I didn't make this. Jo- I didn't make mm-hmm. this mess. Mm-hmm. And maybe you didn't. Maybe it's just what happened as a result mm-hmm. of your choice. But you didn't. There was nothing malicious in your choice. You right. just there was no ill intent or anything like that. This is just the way it played out. Right. And that's fine. But you don't if you'll just keep moving. But but bringing throwing in the towel and saying I'm done and I can't make it through this. You're guaranteeing that you won't make it through this. Right. But the man sitting across from the table, across the table from me, has had a very long walk through deep mud. Mm -hmm. And he's sitting here across the table from me, still young. Granted, aged, but Mm -hmm. young. Mm -hmm. Stronger with a man who brightens the world around him. He's happily married in a very healthy relationship, being a father figure to two stepchildren. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and maybe at some point, maybe their father decides, Hey, look, it's time to redeem this situation. And, and, and I can come back to my children and say, look, I'm sorry. I've been away or mm-hmm. whatever. I suck as a father. I want to be different going forward. Right. And, and, and maybe it wouldn't surprise me if him watching you doesn't help spur that at some point, you never know. You don't know. And, but I look at how, like, and you <clears throat> seem to be, you've moved out of, well, I guess what you could describe as a 20 year long season of, <laughs> of a valley. It, yeah. Yeah. I mean, granted, I mean, you shifted gears, but, Correct. but I can still see the pain in your eyes with your daughter, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's something that you never shake. Mm-mm. But I look at now and you're like, you're back up toward a high point again mm-hmm. in your life. But it, that valley is what makes you work, uh, relish right. your wife. Right. And those stepkids and Mm -hmm. the fact that your business is slammed. Right. And you have the strength to pull it all off. Right. Because of those valleys. Yep. So, well, Andrew, I appreciate you being here greatly. This was a good interview. Yeah. And I thank you for for this. And I, 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 I know it's painful to flesh stuff back out again and relive things. But I do know that... There is somebody listening to this somewhere. It's painful to talk about it, but you got to talk about it. And I talk about it probably a lot more than I should sometimes, but it's, it's something, it's stories that I like to share. But it helps people. It does. And that's probably why I share it so much. It does. And, <laughs> and, and it, it reminds men that you're not alone. So mm-hmm. if you're in this situation, I can just tell you that Andrew sitting across the table from me is one of many and there are some of my hope to put on the across the table from me. They're very reticent to do it. And sometimes men with the hardest journeys are the hardest to get to sit down because sometimes they just don't want to relive mm-hmm. what they've already put to bed. So yeah. anyway, if, if you're definitely not alone, if you're in any of these situations, but stay the course and don't give up, don't throw in the towel. Life does continue. The storm moves on 
And you will too if you choose to. And you need to choose to. All right, well, I will catch you on the next one.